Hey, before we get started, I wanted to let you know that the Women's Social Club chapters are open now in Atlanta, Boston, Charlotte, Chicago, D.C., Denver, Jacksonville, Florida, Memphis, Miami, New York City, Pasadena, California, Wilmington, North Carolina, with multiple chapters in Raleigh, North Carolina, and the surrounding areas. If you're in those cities, come join us at thewomensocialclub.co. And if you don't hear your location, visit our website and click start your own chapter. We'll see you soon and let's get to the show. Come with me with your biggest challenge or your biggest dream, and I'll show you where we start. Everyone's in a different place. And no matter whether you're looking to solve something you're experiencing or you're looking to chase something that you want to do or be, that's our entry point to understand what has you not there now. To all my hustlers, dreamers, love dealers, I'm that kind of girl. Work hard, play hard, for my own heart, might just rule the world. Welcome to the Women's Social Club, a women supporting women group where we make it easier to connect with new friends and our communities while supporting our local women-owned businesses. I'm Hannah Weisberg, founder and CEO of WSC, and today we're talking to Ashley Reed, executive and transformational coach, advisor, speaker, and investor based in New York City. She's been featured in Forbes, Thrive, NASDAQ, Medium, and Crunchbase. Ashley is going to give us some tips on deep, inner, and transformational work and what that can mean to our relationships, our careers, and most importantly, ourselves. She grew up in Cary right outside of Raleigh, graduated from the University of North Carolina, and has had a very successful career rising in the ranks with major corporations like the NBA, iHeartMedia, and Major League Soccer. I spent 18 years working in corporate marketing, mostly in sports and entertainment. And then I finished off in tech at Amazon as an executive there. And throughout that, I always had this inner voice that was kind of saying like, on your last days, is this what's gonna make you happy? Like, is what you're doing really what you want out of life? Kind of that values assessment that I didn't fully understand at the time was a values assessment. And it created the need to make some change for me. Have you felt that too in your career? I know I hear that all the time from WSC members, that they're doing fine at work, but is this really all there is? Ashley decided she could change her path, which has led her to coaching. But I also wanted to know about another change, if she had ever considered moving away from New York. There's this sort of five-year itch that I know a lot of people get living here where you get through the hard part, then you get settled in, and then it gets a little tiring. Right. And so it's that, okay, do I stick this out or do I try something new? And at the same time, I had a good job opportunity in LA. So I think I thought I was leaving, but New York probably always knew I wasn't. (laughs) I think you know what that means. Yes. We lived here twice. Yeah. So we moved here. I moved here after college. Um, I found my roommates on Craigslist, three guys Love it. off of Craigslist. Do Love not recommend for That's anyone amazing. listening. I live to tell about Disclaimer. it. Yes. And it was funny. One worked in finance. One was a chef. And then the other one traveled for work. So like I literally had this amazing apartment to myself pretty much. And the chef always had like food around. So I was a happy girl for, I mean, it worked yeah, out well. Yeah, that's not a bad setup. Yes. That's like Craigslist jackpot. That doesn't right? happen a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It would never happen again that way for sure. 
And I met my husband when I was here. I worked in marketing and advertising and we ended up moving to Boston. And then we moved back to Raleigh, got married, had our son. And that itch was like, I mean, we still miss the city. And if the doors open, if the right stars align, like we'll see what happens. And surely enough, like my husband's job ended up having a position open up here. So we jumped on it and we were here for a couple years, which was really cool to do it as a parent um, versus a single person before. Now we've been back in Raleigh um, for since 2018. So for like three, four years. And we're kind of at that place where, you know, it's nice because what I love about our relationship is we're super open to change. Like we're not ever like stuck. And I, I love, I feel like I relate to people who can relate to that feeling. Yeah, definitely. And I love that you're open to that because change is the nature of life, right? And so a lot of times we're averse to change because we have these feelings of fear around it that are created by our ego or mind out of protection. But change is natural. So yes. the more we can embrace that, the more opportunities we have in life. And I love what you said about the city too. I really resonate with that. I think the great thing about a city like this that has so much going on is no matter what phase of life you're in, there's some some place that meets you here. You know, yes. there's people that are in a similar place. There are things that are similar to you. So when I moved here the first time when I was, what, I think 23? Yeah, a little different than 43 oh, right now, yeah. right? But I still feel like I fit in the city. Yeah. And I don't know if there's a lot of places that you can say that. At least I've, I feel like that's something that's very fun about this place and the people. And speaking of relationships and support systems and all of that, how have some of your friendships changed through these different phases of life? So like when you lived here before, are you still in contact with those people, friends back home? Like what does that support system look like for you? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I think with friends, you find those people that you call them chosen family, mm -hmm. you know, those friends that really become part of your life forever, no matter how much change you go through. Um, I'm lucky to have those from growing up in North Carolina from when I was 12. And I'm lucky to have those from my first stint in New York that we're now on almost 20 years and some groups in between. But I think also there are people that come into your life for a season. You know, there's that reason, season yep. and lifetime in terms of relationships and embracing and not being attached to the outcome of what a relationship is, whether it's a friendship or a romantic partner becomes so important because we can experience and learn so much from each person. So for me, I feel really grateful for those kind of anchor friendships that are like family that I know are there for me no matter what. And when I say no matter what, you know, I I was at the peak of my career, an executive at a, at a Fortune 5 company, and I just decided to leave because it wasn't for me anymore. Wow. And all the people that know me really well in my life, including my family and close friends, did nothing but celebrate me and say, we know you're going to be successful in whatever you want to do. And that's that true support. So I think the real people they're with you through the change. They honor who you are and honor the change as part of that process and being human. I feel like the motivation in life changes quite a bit when you go through these different seasons. So what motivates you in the morning now? Like, does that look different, you know, in terms of being what you're driven by, like relationships, money, success? What drives you now versus what drove you then? Yeah, I love this question because it's actually something I really struggled with. And I like being honest about that because I think a lot of times on the surface, it can look like we're not struggling and we are. When I 
left the corporate world. I spent about five or six years building those other things on the side while I was in executive roles. It was so demanding and I constantly was kind of fighting and working towards this external finish line of getting to a place of stability, of financial freedom, of whatever it was so that I could leave. So there were all of these external milestones that were really my drivers for a long time. Even though underneath that, my whys were driving those milestones, I was still so focused on those milestones. And when I hit those goals and I left, I really struggled with what is my motivation, right? And that's not to say I love the work I do. I love my clients. I'm very inspired by it. But it was a huge shift to not have have to's and forced timelines. And so it took me a while. And what I actually recently discovered in the last weeks was that my mission is to be happy. So what I was struggling with was what is my mission now that I'm not having these kind of fights for a finish line? And I kept trying to find a mission that was focused on my work and it wasn't zoomed out enough. My life isn't just my work. Like what is my overall mission in life that makes me excited about my feet hitting the floor in the morning? And when I zoomed out and I picked my mission is to be happy, how does that show up in my business? How does that show up in my relationships, my life? And so that's my big driver right now. And I absolutely love it. It feels refreshing to holistically look at a mission around life and have it centered in your values and what truly just makes you happy. Do you have a specific morning routine that sort of helps you start your day with that healthier mindset? I do. It is actually the most important part of my day for me. Um, so I wake up between 5 and 5.30, whether I want to or not. This is not a goal of mine, but I have, I when I went through my deeper spiritual work, I stopped caffeine. I stopped anything that would change my energy levels so I could really understand what was my natural body clock, like what did my body want from me. And I had programmed myself a bit in corporate. I worked out in the morning, so it was always early workouts. But I am definitely a morning person, naturally. So I wake up early and then I meditate first and foremost. I meditate twice a day in the morning and afternoon. In the morning, I do the meditation. I do some sort of movement to get my body going. And then if I'm healthy, I work out. And then I come back and have a quiet, calm, kind of mindful breakfast. And then I start my day. And having that dedicated time, low on devices, very present, activating my mind and body really sets the stage for a strong day. So do you wait to look at your phone after you do all of those things? That's something I struggle with. It's like my first instinct is like, what giant disaster is waiting for me in my email today? The struggle I is wanna real. I want to just know the minute my eyes open. <laughs> right. And I would love I would love to say yes. I never, never look at it. I'm an angel. But no, I definitely look at it some too. You know, it's hard. There's a, there's a very real addiction to either that need to know what's going on at all times or that dopamine hit that we get from the, the connection, even if the connection isn't deep. One of the tricks I've used that I love is I actually got a little alarm clock from Amazon and my phone goes on my dresser where I can't reach it, but I can still hear it if there's an emergency or anything and my family needs me. You know, it's, it's there, but the clock goes off. I get up. I don't touch the phone. So yeah, I would say I'm like 50-50 yes. and getting there. That's which my I'll goal. Take. <laughs> I'm happy to be 50-50. Right? I think that's a success. <laughs> yes. I think the trick is definitely moving it off the nightstand where yes. you can literally just roll over and look at it and grab it. And I feel like when I reach over in the morning, if there is some sort of big disaster, 
my entire day is already a spiral. Like even if it's not that big of a deal and I can fix it or solve it super quickly, it has set me on that like adrenaline rush of just being frantic for my entire day. It changed my entire thought process. So that's definitely something I'm going to work on. Yeah. And it's so true. You think about it. All of a sudden you're waking up, coming out of sleep, and then your nervous system is extremely triggered. And then you're trying to function from a version of fight or flight, which is hard. You know, yes. it's hard then to calm down throughout the day because you're most likely not then sitting and meditating after an experience like that. No. So yeah, the key, that foundation of the day becomes really important because the chances are if you have a routine that incorporates mindfulness or exercise or something that's grounding in the morning, and then you read a message like that, the chances are your nervous system, yourself, you'll respond in a different way to it. So it becomes a really powerful foundation. Not easy to do always, but yeah. So coaching is a lot of what you do now. So talk to us more about that work that you're doing now. Yeah, I love it. So I got my certification when I was still at Amazon and I was thinking about doing high performance coaching. So it's kind of like the run faster, jump higher, a lot of what you need in the high performance world, quote unquote, need to, to succeed. And then when I left Amazon a week before, I got a really extreme version of burnout that actually I almost lost my life. And it was a big, I don't want to say a reset moment because the reset had already happened. That's why I was making all of these changes. It wasn't like I was pushing myself to get a promotion. I was pushing myself to, to realign my life with my values. But it was definitely a moment of pause. And when I paused, instead of launching my business right away, I did my own deeper inner work. So you do a lot of coaching work when you get your certification. You can't take people where you haven't gone. So it's important that you're also doing your own work. But I went into really deep transformational spiritual healing work and I fell in love with it. And so I shifted gears and the work that I do, I still say I do executive coaching to to make sure people understand how this work can help in any space. But everything that I do with my clients is rooted in deeper inner and transformational work. What's going on underneath the surface that's impacting what we're experiencing in our outer world? And once we have awareness around that, what do we do with that? How do we create the change that we want? So that's a little bit about the next question. So why the inner work is so important for all of us. Yeah, exactly. It's so important for all of us, myself included, because we all have an ego, right? We're all in a human body and our mind and ego are created over time as a means of protection. They're constantly trying to keep us safe. And that sounds beautiful on the surface, but the version of safety and the version of protection is often small right? Is keeping us in this cage. Is that avoidance to change? We talked about earlier. It's so fun that you guys like change. It's not that normal. A lot of people are afraid of change because it's an automatic protection mechanism to keep us away from change. So we're all experiencing these things every day. The key is, are we aware of them and can we create change? And that's where coaching and inner work comes in because the moment we give ourselves that gift of awareness, we give ourselves the gift of conscious choice and change. But as long as we're on this autopilot and we're not aware of the true drivers underneath our behavior and underneath what we're experiencing, we don't have the opportunity to actually change. So it's important for everyone, no matter what industry, whatever you do, I say it's human level work that we all need. And it is like a muscle that you have to stretch constantly because while I love change, I love being in new places. I love I don't love flying, but I love traveling. I love being in new places a lot. Um, I love the energy specifically that New York has. But I will tell you, I haven't flown 
and left my sort of bubble since last May. We've done little trips locally, like in North Carolina, like we've gone to Asheville or the beach, but you know, those aren't really that different from your everyday life. Like you're still close to home. So, I mean, this past week I was super anxious, even though I was so ready for it. I was still, I mean, there was a lot of fear, like in your body, you, like you said, it's like a form of protection where when you jump out of that bubble or you take that step out, it it feels unnatural because you're in this loop of like every day looks the same. You have your routines, like you have your places that you sit on your couch and you have all your little things that bring that comfort, which are great. But I almost feel like sometimes they can form this almost invisible prison that you're in that you don't even know. And it's holding you back in a way where, I mean, you only get one shot at life. And I feel like that's what helps me specifically push through. So like I was not excited about flying, but I was excited to get here and being here, it just reminded me, like, this is why it's important. Like, even if I'm feeling a little, I don't know, I'm feeling yeah. like maybe I should just stay home. Like, we just, we should just stay home. Like, everything is good. Like, no, you should, you should still push yourself to experience things that you've never experienced before. Yes. I love everything you're saying. I mean, it's so beautifully said that the challenge is that that safety can be comfortable, right? And so we forget that there's a benefit to challenging it until we actually challenge it and see the other side. But it's hard to take that step. And I think one of the keys is what you're doing. As humans, again, we're all going to have fear. We're all going to get nervous. We're all going to be scared. These are natural human emotions that we've taught, we've been taught, excuse me, to be afraid of. But if we can start to embrace all of our humanity, every emotion that comes with it, every experience that comes with it, how do we lean into that, embrace it, feel it, release it, and keep moving forward? The goal is to not let those emotions that can feel more challenging, they aren't bad, but can feel more challenging, change our behavior patterns because that's what keeps us stuck. So your example is a perfect explanation of that, of like, okay, I'm feeling this. I feel the scary. Let's keep moving through this. Let's honor that. Let's feel it, honor this human experience, but let's not let that make me change direction and miss out on a change that's going to be really beneficial for me. What are some of the biggest challenges that your clients have come to you with that they're struggling with? Yeah, it's fun because this happens on a human level. Everything is so different, but rooted in the same thing, <laughs> you know, and I have so much fun with that. So I always say to my clients, come with me with your biggest challenge or your biggest dream, and I'll show you where we start, right? Oh, because everyone's, yeah. yeah, everyone's in a different place. And no matter whether you're looking to solve something you're experiencing or you're looking to chase something that you want to do or be, that's our entry point to understand what has you not there now. What's in the way of that happening in this moment? Because what's in the way is 99, I don't like absolutes, but 99.9% .9 starting internally. It might have external symptoms that have manifested from that. So a lot of it is around change. That's a big one. A lot is limiting beliefs and a lack of awareness around those. So from that protection place that our ego is coming from, we, we create these beliefs and lenses based on the experiences we've had. And we start to see the world through those. But we don't realize we're seeing the world through those. We just think it's the world. So I always use the, the blue lens analogy. It's like you're wearing blue lens glasses. Those blue lenses are the beliefs yes. you've developed, the false truths you believe. And you start to see everything through those. 
you just don't realize you're wearing the glasses and that you can actually take them off once you have awareness that you're wearing them. So it's really that underlying similarity of what is my internal programming? What are the truths I've adopted? Are they still true? What are the beliefs I've adopted? And so no matter where they come to me with, what the challenge is or what the dream is, that's where we end up of uncovering what that underlying programming is and then having that conscious choice of what do we want to change about it. So what are some tips or tools that you can share with our listeners where where they can start playing or working with, working through some of their own struggles? Yeah, I love it. My biggest tip is start small. So I have a lot of clients. I work with a lot of high performers, which I fully appreciate. I love, I like to say, I like to bridge the gap between high performance and spirituality or inner work because I still play and dance in both worlds, but start small, right? If you think about it, if you've never meditated and you sit down for 30 minutes to try to meditate, your ego, when it's in a very strong place, has 30 minutes to mess with you. That's a a lot of time for a strong ego, which we usually have um, when we're first starting the work. If you do it for one minute, you just have to get one minute done and tell your ego to calm down while you're doing that, right? So taking those smaller chunks and looking at it as as building a muscle, which you kind of said earlier with change, starting with a one pound weight, then a two pound weight, right? Build that muscle and start to feel how it feels good to be stronger in that space and then add more versus constantly fighting and pushing. So I would say that's one of the biggest ones. And then the other one is really pay attention to what feels natural. So similar to working out, don't try to pick an exercise routine where you hate eight of the 10 exercises on your list, Yes, right? We're setting ourselves up to be in a constant state of resistance. Instead, pay attention to how do you naturally learn? How do you naturally find peace? How do you naturally find joy? When do you feel the most like yourself? Really do these internal check-ins of what brings you to that grounded place, what feels good, and then start to build some mindfulness and space exercises around those, whether that's sitting in silence for a few minutes, whether that's putting on one of your favorite songs and dancing for a few minutes. Anything that starts to break that autopilot cycle that we were talking about is a great place to start and just make sure you're listening to what comes natural and doing it in small pieces in the beginning to start building the muscle. I can totally relate to that, specifically with the working out. I have tried a lot of different things that really helps my stress. And Mm. at first, for a really long time, I was like, I don't like getting super sweaty. I don't like the super intense workouts. Um, So I was doing really gentle, you know, more like Pilates and bar. And those were great. But I started, you know, being like, oh, you know, making excuses not to go. And I'm like, well, I'm obviously not drawn to this. So I was like, I'm going to try something totally different that encompasses everything that I think I don't like about working out. And I'm going to try hot yoga because it's hot. So you just (laughs) sit in there and we'll sweat. So I literally signed up for like to go with a friend and tried it a couple of times and have become addicted. Love it. And no matter how many times I go, I can't go too often because it's like my body, like three days a week is like the magic number for me because the amount that you sweat and then just my schedule and all of that, that's the sweet spot for me. And then going for walks and everything in between those days. But being in the dark, so like, you know, you turn all the lights down at the studios I go to, there's just like candlelight around the floor. So you don't see or feel anyone around you, no matter how crowded the, the class is. The sweating, it almost feels like, I don't know, 
detoxing, but not like in a way of like physicality. It's like detoxing all of the just stress and the thoughts and all of those things. So you don't even like realize you're like working out. Like it's not really about that. So I love that you were saying how with working out, like think of it that way. Like if you're not feeling what you're doing, no matter what it is, working out, career, hobbies, friends, if something, if it's like, I can't wait to do this or even though I'm not like super excited about putting my gym clothes on, I'm so excited about how I'm going to feel afterwards. Like that, that's a good spot to be in. Yes. I love that example because you're doing exactly what I was saying, right? You're leaning into what feels good. And then you're identifying within that. The, the more specificity we can have, the better because we can use those tools in other areas. So for example, it sounds like you really like the dark mm-hmm. and the quiet. You like the detox of the sweat. And I love how you said not just physical. When we sweat like that, our whole body is releasing things. Our body carries every experience we've had. It carries emotion, right? So sweating and detoxing and getting that stuff out is so healthy in a lot of ways, not just physical. But you're noticing the things that you like. So maybe before bed, you really make it dark and you sit for five minutes in the dark, right? So that's that beauty of paying attention to what comes natural and what gives me that feeling of connectedness or groundedness naturally. And then how do I incorporate that in small ways? throughout my day. So yeah, I love that. It's a it's a great example of the power of listening to ourselves. And then again, quickly, the other thing I'd say is resistance is a super interesting one. I always say it's our best friend and our teacher, right? One of the, the biggest keys is in this work is changing your mindset around resistance and triggers because they can be uncomfortable, but they're actually just showing us where we still need to heal where we have an opportunity for more inner work. So if we have a lot of resistance towards an activity that's really strong and not just a, "Eh, this isn't naturally what feels good to me, it's also a great opportunity to lean in and be like, why am I resisting this so much? Because then you can make sure you have that conscious answer of, okay, I'm resisting this because it's not the right modality for me. Or I'm resisting this because there's actually something underneath the surface that's keeping me, pushing me away from it. I want to uncover that so that I can have a more conscious choice of whether or not I want to do this. So you get to play in both sides when you feel the resistance to just make sure when we're moving away from something, it's always a conscious move and not being driven by something underneath we're not aware of. So what are some current goals that you're pursuing right now? Like what can people expect to see coming from you currently and coming up next? Yeah, I mean, my biggest goal, this is going to sound so coachy and woo-woo, <laughs> but I'm owning it. I love it. it. I'm owning it. Um, my biggest goal is to just be. And when I say that, I actually, like, I almost gave myself chills when I said (laughs) that. So, yes, very, um, very woo-woo, as they say. I always say woo-woo is something the ego made up to scare people away. But it's being still. I have seen the power of stillness. I have seen what comes to me naturally when I'm grounded. I've seen what builds naturally when I'm honoring myself and my values. The pushing, the doing, the achieving they're not the way to get where you want to go. It's that being and honoring yourself and being still and letting the silence teach you what you need to know and listening for those messages and being guided by those. That is the power. And so that's my goal to just make sure I continue to, to stay tuned into that as the business, the business has, has picked up naturally and it's very fun and exciting, but I want to make sure that I balance and still yes. listen to the stillness and, and take space for that. Um, And then in terms of what's next, I'm just having a lot of fun with my one-on-one client work. I'm loving 
teaching about the work. So even chats like this, where we casually talk about what it is, I think it's so important because this work can sometimes sound a little intimidating or woo-woo, like we just said, all of this ego programming that's a way of preventing us from stepping into it. So I like to be someone that that tries to normalize and humanize it for people. And so that's a big goal of mine to continue my client work, but also have a bigger voice and, and message in the industry about what this is and make it approachable. So what's one final thought that you would like to leave our listeners with? Yeah, you know, I think we've touched on it a little bit, but it's so important, right? Don't be afraid of change and start small, right? And challenge yourself even if change is scary in a small way every day. Try to break that autopilot to see what it feels like. And some of the things I say, like even do the things in the shower in a different order, right? See how strange that feels. See how much more awake you are in the moment. Try to brush your teeth with your opposite hand. These small things that just change that routine that we're in, you wake more up. It brings you into present moment because you're having to consciously be aware of what you're doing versus being on that autopilot we discussed. And if that little moment, that little shift can create a waking up moment, imagine what bigger change can do. So play with the small, have fun with it. Don't be afraid of change. And if you are, that's okay. Embrace that and still move through it and see what happens. Thank you so much to Ashley Reed, who you can find at ashleyreed.com. And a few ways to follow the Women's Social Club. One, you can subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast app. Two, you can visit thewomensocialclub.co and find the community that's closest to you. If there's nothing close to you, please let us know. And third, follow us on social media where you'll find video clips of this podcast as well as the Women's Social Club's events throughout the country. We're at Women's Social Club on both Instagram and TikTok and at The Women's Social Club on Facebook. This podcast is edited and produced by Earfluence. I'm Hannah Weisberg, and on behalf of everyone at the Women's Social Club, we can't wait to welcome you into our sisterhood. We'll see you again soon with the next episode.